the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Innovators Network. Welcome to the heart of innovation. 60 minutes that can save life and limb with new breakthrough ideas and innovation changing the healthcare landscape. Brought to you by patient advocacy group, thewaytomyheart.org. In partnership with Cardiovascular System Incorporated's patient advocacy campaign, Take a Stand Against Amputation. Here are your hosts for the Heart of Innovation, Emmy Award-winning journalist and founder of The Way to My Heart, Kim McNicholas, and interventional cardiologist and founder of the Save My Piggies Health Education Series, Dr. John Phillips. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm with Dr. John Phillips, and today we're going to be talking about how to improve circulation by walking. So get your questions ready. Call in if you're listening live and join the discussion. Write this number down, 1-888-367-5329, If you are also listening in or watching live on Zoom, uh, that is the video conferencing service we are using to broadcast from. Um, you can go ahead and write it in comments, and we will just go ahead and call on you when we see that you're ready to ask a question. But, you know, we always kick off the show with an inspirational quote that's caught the eye of Dr. Phillips. Ready to inspire us, Dr. Phillips. Well, Kim, before I jump into that, I just have to say congratulations on another conference underway. This is awesome. You sound super psyched and you're in a good mood. And so I thought I've got a real simple quote from Walt, Ralph Waldo Emerson. And he said, for every, yeah, he said, for every minute you are angry, you lose 60 seconds of happiness. <laughs> so don't worry, be happy. Let's have some fun today. I love it. I think we will. I mean, as you said, we're just coming off this four-hour conference uh, through the way to my heart talking about what causes peripheral artery disease, which is a chronic condition and mainly the legs that restricts blood flow, um, mainly to the legs and the feet. We talked about, you know, of course, junk food, high cholesterol, autoimmune conditions, smoking, genetic disorders, blood disorders, so many more things um, as well that can lead to artery damage that ultimately results in that plaque buildup in the arteries, which restricts the blood flow. Um, we also have interventional radiologist, Dr. Lorenzo Petrone, who is joining the conversation as we move into the next um, phase of this conversation is, so once you have peripheral artery disease, what do you do about it? What is the best medicine? Dr. Petrone, what's the best medicine for PAD? Hi, hello, Kim. It's a pleasure to be here online with you and uh, with Dr. Phillips. Uh, the best medicine is uh, knowledge and walking, walking, walking. Exactly. I mean, why is it that walking is the best medicine for PAD? I mean, it's uh, it's a matter of uh, collaterals. Uh, I think we're going to talk about this uh, during uh, the whole time. And actually, usually, you know, people who present PAD, which uh, I want to just to uh, say very clearly is uh, what is called peripheral arterial disease. It means uh, that the arteries, especially in the legs, can uh, can uh, have narrowing. 
so essentially the atria are bringing less flow and the body which is a very clever machine tries to build up small vessels which uh, you know otherwise are very very small they tries to enlarge these vessels in order to bring the flow in a sort of natural bypass so the the, the our own body operates uh, on uh, on its own without the need of any surgery and you know, it, it, going back, is, as you said, to a little bit before we get to the collateral network is there's a difference, though, when it comes to peripheral artery disease, whether or not building that collateral network is going to make a difference. And you have two different types. You have the lifestyle limiting um, claudication that's related to PAD, and then you have the critical limb ischemia. Can you talk about those two different types of PAD? And which one is the best for building the collateral network initially um, instead sure. of intervention or surgery? Sure, definitely. I mean, uh, PAD is a, is a large spectrum of uh, symptoms. And actually, you can go from uh, what is called mild claudication, people like who can't walk more than 200, 300 meters, uh, to then properly what you call the very correctly CLI, critical limb ischemia. That means it's a, it's a type of uh, um, uh, you know disease which really affects uh, the patient in a sort of you know developing pain when sleeping and having like tissue loss at the level of the feet. So essentially, the the collaterals, all this kind of good lifestyle, it's always good in any kind of uh, uh, you know spectrum of the disease. But it has a very much importance when uh, the, especially in the majority of cases of PAD, which are related to claudication. So this need uh, for the patient to stop while walking, and this, as I said, could be 200 meters or 50 meters. It depends, of course, on the on the amount of uh, disease. But in case uh, of this, these symptoms come out and uh, essentially the disease uh, progresses, uh, the moment we walk and we uh, build up, uh, we pump blood down to the legs, uh, this is like creates uh, this small vessel, as we said, to enlarge and to naturally bypass the occlusion or the narrowing of uh, the main arteries. And I know that Dr. Phillips is also very experienced. He's an interventional cardiologist. You might want to weigh in as well and add to that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we've spent a lot of episodes talking about peripheral arterial disease, and you, you certainly can't emphasize risk factor reduction. Um, I was just reading something from the American Heart Association, and they're predicting that the prevalence of uh, PAD in the U.S. is going to triple in the next 30 years. So we've got about 220 million people worldwide that have peripheral arterial disease, probably 8 to 10 million uh, Americans over the age of 40 have it. Um, and as we were kind of talking about, a lot of these people don't have any symptoms and they're diagnosed based on some non-invasive testing, that cuff pressure testing that we do. But it's really important that we reduce the, the risk. And it's like you had mentioned before, reducing uh, their tobacco intake, managing their diabetes, controlling their blood pressure, managing their cholesterol. And then as we've been talking about exercising um, and in the U.S., actually in 20, 2017, I believe um, Medicaid started um, reimbursing for what's called supervised exercise therapy or SET. So it's kind of like um, cardiac rehab, but it's rehab or an exercise program for, for folks with peripheral arterial disease. It's a very structured program that has been shown to improve symptoms in a minimally invasive way in folks that have peripheral arterial disease that's causing the claudication or pain when they walk. And so for which uh, patients do you end up prescribing walking? They come into you, they say, hey, I have some leg pain, a little bit of claudication, um, 
who is best to walk, walk, walk. So, so for me personally, every patient that has diagnosed, been diagnosed with peripheral arterial disease that does not have chronic limb threatening ischemia, so they don't have pain at rest or an ulcer, everyone else who has claudication of some degree or pain when they walk with some degree should be exercising. I try to get as many patients enrolled in this quote set program, but it's 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 either at a an outpatient um, facility uh, or like your physician's office, but it, it's very structured. And the kind of the hang up though, to some degree, is the cost. It can cost patients money to to do this program. So if they can't afford the this structured program, because it's about thirty to sixty minutes of of walking, you really want to walk till your your legs hurt, and then walk a little bit further, and then rest. It's over. It's often about thirty six sessions are covered, twelve or so weeks, um, you know, per period. But, you know, if they can't afford this, then we're asking them to walk on a regular basis. And I have several patients that keep track of how long they walk and each day they walk a little bit further. And coming up right here on the Heart of Innovation, we will have more on the mechanism of action by which walking does build that collateral network. So stay with us. Leg health can indicate risk for heart attack, stroke, and amputation. If you have leg pain or cramps while walking, get checked for peripheral artery disease, or PAD. PAD is plaque buildup in mainly the leg arteries. Be sure to ask your physician for an ankle brachial index, also called an ABI test, where they use blood pressure cuffs to analyze the blood pressure in your legs. If they discover you have arterial plaque that's limiting blood flow to your feet, medicine and a regimented walking program are frontline treatment. If PAD is in its advanced stages, your physician may schedule a surgical intervention. Minimally invasive tools are available to remove plaque and restore blood flow, including cardiovascular system's Diamondback 360 atherectomy system, which sands away plaque that is a hard calcium. It's important to discuss all options with your physician, and if told you have no options, get a second opinion. Take a stand against amputation. For more information, go to standagainstamputation.com. That's standagainstamputation.com. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We're continuing our conversation about treatment methods and minimally invasive methods as such for peripheral arterial disease. And uh, we were just talking about structured exercise. And over the break, Lorenzo and I were commenting on that, you know, this program is a little bit hard for folks to adhere to. And, and Lorenzo, you were sharing that the compliance rate is, is quite low for, for folks to actually complete all 36 sessions over this 12-week period because it's a little bit costly and time-consuming, Correct. Yeah, correct. Actually, you know, if we look at the data of the Medicare, as soon as uh, uh, the supervised exercise therapy was uh, included in the protocol, it's very disappointing. I mean, I think I'm disappointed from two uh, point of views. One is the uh, clinician point of view, because, I mean, there are not many patients who are enrolled primarily in this kind of treatment. And second, for the patient themselves, that's, you know, a very, very, a very small amount actually uh, finish their training program. So I think that should be a better education. 
and a little bit more effort from uh, many of our patients in order to try to avoid uh, like fixed, um, you know, uh, the artery being fixed uh, endovascular with bypass when this can be avoided. Uh, I think that we can discuss about literature. What do you think, John? Yeah, no, I think it's the, the problem that I have in getting people enrolled in this program is, number one, it's hard for them to get to a facility that actually does it. And then again, a lot of them can't afford it. But I often just say, hey, listen, if you can walk 20 minutes, 30 minutes a day, and you're keeping track of how much you're walking, and each time you're walking a little bit further, you'll make great strides. But like with anything in life, you have to really want to do it. You can lead the horse to water, but the patient has to decide whether or not they're they're going to take this step. Because as we were also talking in the break, Kim, you mentioned everybody wants a quick fix. And a lot of times I'll do an angiogram, take pictures, look at the leg arteries and say, yes, there's a blockage, but I, I think we should try medications first and we should try walking first. And they're kind of disappointed. They're like, come on, doc, why don't you just put a stent in there and fix it? And you have to kind of walk them through that, uh, I guess, pun intended. But nonetheless, it, it is it is something that takes a little bit of education and um, you have to kind of gain, the patient has to gain insight as to what their dis- disease process is to be successful with non-invasive treatment methods. Well, it's, it's interesting because if the someone is not willing to do the work leading into you placing a balloon and or a stent or using what's called an atherectomy device, a plaque removal device to remove some of the plaque inside there, if they're not willing to do that before you um, perform the procedure, are they still likely to do that after, which is required to prevent that sort of revolving door of treatments? In my opinion, it's it's unlikely. And, you know, we've talked about this before, mitigating your risk for progression of PAD. And, and one of the biggest risk factors is tobacco use. And and really trying to get patients to quit is difficult. And there are some patients that say, you know, I'm not going to quit. And then you have to kind of weigh the risks and benefits of doing procedure. But I do have colleagues, local colleagues that will not treat people for their PAD that that continue to smoke. And ethically, you know, we can debate that. But um, it, it's it's difficult. It really is. I had one patient who actually said I was I a part of what we do with the weight of my heart is high touch advocacy and we show up uh, to help facilitate a productive and satisfying conversation between the patient and the doctor during their appointments. And the doctor says to the patient, are you walking? And the patient's response was, yes, Kim makes me walk every day. I have a cigarette in my hand, but I'm walking every single day. <laughs> it's a start. <laughs> it's a start. We're 50% there. <laughs> yes, we are. Yes, we are. <laughs> but I mean, tobacco is so addictive, right? I mean, we can talk about tobacco for hours, but I mean, it's so addictive for these patients. I had a patient last week who said he started smoking when he was 10. Oh, wow. It's crazy. I see that a lot in Europeans. Yeah, but it's 20 times more addictive than heroin. Yes, we have that's nurse practitioner K. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So in terms of of walking, I we have our My Steps program through the way to my heart. And we also found that there is um the adherence to formal rehab programs where a patient has to go somewhere. It's very low. It's low not only with set, but it's also low with cardio. And there are a lot of logistical issues, transportation, time, you know, family, other responsibilities, et cetera. So we have a text-based program where we have a 90% retention rate um, with, with some of our patients because one, they're literally just doing it on their own time. They're doing it at home. And then number two is we combine it with a community where everyone's cheering each other on. And I think that that is one of the big reasons. It's when you have other people, family and friends that are 
sharing their steps, sharing what they see on their walks, I think it really helps a lot. And sharing their progress. When people see that other people are successful, they're more willing to walk themselves. You know, Kim, another thing too that we've talked about is patients need to be able to tell their friends that, hey, I have something called PAD. It may limit my ability to walk as fast as you, but when we go out for a walk, I might be a few steps behind, but hang with me. Because I have had some patients who just, they won't do anything because they know that they can't keep up with their friends and they think they're dragging them down and, and whatnot. And and it, it it takes a patient who's really confident in what the disease process they have and yet have a good group of friends that they can walk with them and knowing that they might, you know, take along, but be a little bit slower. Yeah. And so Dr. Petrone, when someone walks, how exactly do these collateral vessels grow to create this so-called natural bypass? Can it's you walk us pressure. through that? Yeah, essentially it's all about pressure. The blood needs to go somewhere. And actually if we pump the blood with good pressure, which is of course generated by muscle uh, uh, needs into the legs, you know, or even uh, the smaller vessels, which actually in a normal, uh, uh, let's say, person are not developed uh, at all, they become bigger because they need to deliver all this blood, which is pumped by the heart in order to supply the legs which are in need of blood. Um, this is, is a mechanism which is uh, very simple even to understand, but it's not that easy for patients sometimes to uh, go through this route because to build up collaterals means to go through struggle. So that's why we say, you know, it depends on, of course, the length of the walking distance. The patients can go, for example, I don't know, like a 100 yards, 200 yards, and they need to push a little bit more. If you add one single yard every day in uh, in uh, just uh, three months, uh, you will have more 100 yards. And it means like uh, probably you have almost doubled what you were doing before. So it's just a little effort, which is done every day, which is the painful and difficult part in order to maintain your arteries at their best, especially if there are not symptoms of critical ischemia. Which vessels are most likely to grow these collateral vessels around any sort of blockage. I mean, I know the knee has some great collaterals going from the thigh to below the knee. Yeah, of course. I mean, there are different types of uh, collaterals. Uh, for example, in the in the legs, uh, I mean, uh, we're going a little bit into anatomy, but the, the at the level of the groin, there's a bifurcation and uh, of vessels, of arteries. One is the superficial femoral artery, which is an artery which is very prone to occlude in case of PAD, which goes uh, straight uh, from uh, uh, the groin uh, down to the below the knee joint, then changing names uh, into popliteal, for example, by the same tube. And then there's another artery which goes towards the thigh, which is called the profonda femoral artery. And this artery actually is usually uh, quite a good size and can provide very good flow in case of the blockage of this tube, which goes down uh, towards the knee joint, what we called before the superficial femoral artery. So that's why it's also important to, uh, you know, to pump the blood level, the groin, and this, like we can talk about the alec arteries, which are the main gatekeepers uh, of uh, the blood going to the legs from the aorta, which is the main vessel into the body. And once we have this blood cleared going to the to the groins, the profonda femoral artery, I think, is the best vessels, uh, vessel in order to create collaterals for our PAD patients. Fantastic. And coming up right here on the Heart of Innovation, we will have more on walking as the best medicine for improving your circulation. So stay with us. 
My symptoms started with leg pain and leg cramps while walking. Me too, with a tightness in my calves. Well, do you know, my doctor thought that my leg cramps were a side effect of the statin he prescribed me. Well, my doctor just brushed them off as another symptom of old age. Mine thought the pain was radiating from my spine. My doctor blamed my neuropathy on diabetes until I got a wound on my foot that just wouldn't heal. Yeah, it turns out we all have peripheral artery disease, also known as PAD. It's plaque buildup mainly in the leg arteries causing poor circulation. For me, the diagnosis came too late and I lost my leg, but that does not have to happen to you. No, it does not because there are treatment options available if you're diagnosed early enough. PAD, peripheral artery disease. If you've been experiencing leg pain, leg cramps, or neuropathy when walking, and your doctor isn't hearing you, we are. We are the way to my heart, the largest support network for peripheral artery disease patients. And we want to help you get back on your feet again. Visit our website at thewaytomyheart.org or call our Legsaver hotline, 415-320-7138. Your life and limb could depend on it. Welcome back to the Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Welcome back. We're talking about walking is the best medicine to improve uh, your circulation, especially for folks who have what's called peripheral artery disease, which is restricted blood flow in the arteries and mainly the legs. Before the break, we were talking to Dr. Petroni about all of the vessels that we have, the arteries, that when they become blocked, how your body grows this amazing collateral network. It gets a little bit more pressure and it's like, where's the blood going to go? And so this collateral network of arteries that lays pretty dormant um, until it's needed wakes up and actually can grow the more you push it, the more you put the pressure on. But Dr. Petroni, are there any vessels um, that may become blocked or any situations in which walking may not improve um, the situation or improve circulation, such as maybe those with diabetes or advanced stages of diabetes? Correct. Uh, essentially, the bigger the vessel, the easier is uh, for the body to create collaterals. Because, I mean, this is like uh, valid with the alec arteries, which are the main arteries to the legs, which are uh, coming from the aorta. It's very valid for, let's say, the arteries from the groin down to the knee joint. But when it comes to diabetes, when it comes to disease uh, of the 10 mil vessels, of the three vessels which are going down from the knee joint to the foot, then it's worth, you know, you know the, 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 it's very much more difficult to create collaterals which are enough big enough in order to provide a good flow uh, to the foot and actually if you really miss the last bit of vessels which are going down uh, to your foot then you can develop even the most severe of the symptoms so what we call rest pain which means like it's pain when uh, the patient is sort of elevating the leg and mainly when the when they're sleeping and uh, actually the pain uh, which is uh, correlated to tissue loss which is uh, the last stage of the disease the most uh, uh, powerful and devastating uh, part of uh, PAD, peripheral tear disease. And so what is the most effective way to grow that collateral network? We have vascular surgeon Dr. Anahita Duwah from Mass General Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts, who shares with us 
her strategies for creating that extra blood flow. In the intermittent claudication sense, when you have a situation where you do not have wounds and you do not have what's called rest pain, where you're just sitting there in your chair, but your leg hurts a lot. So you're not in that category. We're just talking about purely here. It hurts when you walk, whether it's five steps or a hundred steps, it hurts when you walk. That's the intermittent claudicant. That patient can really, really turn their life around by walking. Now, how do you do that? This is how you do it. You wake up in the morning every day. You commit yourself to 30 minutes of continuous walking. But here's the ticket. It cannot be I go for a walk with my spouse, you know, down a couple city blocks, stopping to pet someone's dog, stopping to check if they're fresh avocados. No, no. Every time you stop, the clock restarts. So what you would need to be in is either in the mall or on a track where you can continuously walk because you need to turn that watch on. So you've got your iPhone or whatever you have to, to time yourself. You turn on the timer and you start walking. And I don't care if you walk seven steps or you walk seven miles. You document. I walked this far today in time, right? Before the pain set in. And then you document. I walked this much further with the pain because that's what I need to know. I don't care how far you walk. I want to know how far did you walk when it hurt because that is what's building those blood vessels. You can walk for seven miles, okay? But on that 7.1 mile, when you start to feel the pain, that's when you need to give yourself another five to 10 minutes of walking to the point where you're actually limping because that's where you're basically, your body is saying, you know, you've got a tribunal basically that sits in your body that has a certain amount of resources and it has to decide what am I going to do with these resources? Where am I going to lay down new blood vessels, right? And if you hurt your body essentially by walking, the legs are telling the body, I need you to invest in me and create new blood vessels in me so that I no longer have pain when I walk. It's no different if you were working out in the gym and you're doing a bunch of reps with your biceps and you get that pain in your biceps when you're working out. What do they tell you to do? What does your instructor tell you to do? Oh, give me one more. Give me one more. Why? Because it's in those moments when you have that severe pain where you're actually going to be building blood vessels. You can do 100 reps like this, no big deal. But it's that last two that build it exactly the same physiology in the legs. It's no different than if you live in a city and you have a city council and there's a crappy road outside your house. The person who goes and complains a thousand times screaming and yelling and picketing and chaining themselves to the city council is going to get money to get that road built. The person who doesn't is the one who's going to get nothing. And in fact, they might let the road deteriorate more. And that is what happens when you don't walk, when you have intermittent claudication. Most people will stop walking when they're in pain naturally, right? And so, and, and, and a lot of doctors will tell you even to do that because they don't know. They don't want you to get injured. Your PCP may not know. If you get one of those little chairs that you can flip out and sit down, that's ideal because then you don't have to go somewhere to sit down. You sit down and the minute that you can go again, you go again. And you do that for 30 minutes and you document each time. How far did you walk? How far with pain? How far did you walk? How far? I guarantee you, I will give you this in blood writing, okay? That if you do that in six months, you will increase your walking distance and decrease the amount of time that it takes, basically, that you have to sit down, essentially. So you'll be able to walk further with less pain. And that's what this whole creating new blood vessels is. Because what's happening, the city council in your body is building that road for you. 
and you have a little piece of blood vessel down in your ankle, a little piece of blood vessel up top, it makes the connection for you. So it doesn't open up what's already gone. It doesn't do that. But it does create these new connections for you. Are you going to be able to run the Olympics? Unlikely. But are you going to be able to enjoy your lives? Go out to the mall, go to a movie, you know, walk around, take, do, do what you want with your grandkids? Yes, you will. And that, and all with avoiding a bypass or avoiding a stent. Walking is the only thing that has level 1A evidence, as in randomized control trial, highest level of evidence in the world to say that if you walk, you will be able to increase um, the blood vessel collateralization, which is what that's called, creating those new networks, and you will be able to walk further with less pain. I think that's uh, that Dr. Dua summed it up nicely there in the last few minutes. In, in my opinion, it's about being consistent and you have to kind of you have to also have to be a, a disciple of discipline. You have to do it every, every day. Um, so we have a, a question from Kay. Kay asks, what happens if you have intermittent claudication during the night, during the day, but rest pain at night? We've got about 30 seconds 30 here. Seconds. Lorenzo, do you want to you want to take that? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, there are different disease, as you said, different stages of disease. Uh, Roger Ford uh, has created a scale, and actually, the when you pass from having like difficulty to walk to have a pain in the night, then it's a complete different disease. It's what we come from, like uh, we call mild to moderate PAD to critical ischemia. To have rest pain, so to be at pain in the night, is the first stage of the critical ischemia. This is where you definitely go to see your vascular doctor in order to get the best advice for your for your disease. Thank you so much, Dr. Petrone. And we'll be right back with actually our Save My Piggies segment. So stay with us. Medical Notepad, brought to you by patient advocacy organizations Take a Stand Against Amputation and The Way to My Heart. Are you going for an angiogram soon? Well, my name is Nurse Practitioner Kay Smith, and I'm here with today's Medical Notepad. An angiogram sounds very scary when you first hear about it, but basically they will make access to your arteries via your wrist or in your groin. And if necessary, if you have a blockage below the knee, they'll make access from your foot and travel back upwards. Now, what they're doing is they're just piercing the artery and sliding a little wire inside It's minimally invasive. You're not going to have a huge scar. You can stay with twilight sedation, or if you're very, very anxious, it can be done with general anaesthetic. You will go home the same day. You might have to lie still for two to four hours afterwards, just in case or to ensure that no bleeding occurs from the site where they access your arteries. So if you have any questions, please reach out, ask the questions. We're here to help. I'm Kay Smith with today's Medical Notepad. Medical Notepad is a series for educational and informational purposes only. Advice offered is not a substitute for medical advice from your own supervising physician. Do not act on any information provided in this series without the explicit consent from your own healthcare team. For more information on peripheral artery disease, go to standagainstamputation.com. For peripheral artery disease support, go to thewaytomyheart.org. Welcome back to the Heart of Innovation. 
For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Welcome back, everybody. And hey, Kim, what time is it? It's time it for save my piggies time. Right, it's time to save the piggies. <laughs> Today's segment includes a guest by the name of Duke with his physician, Dr. Katib. Duke, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Hello, sir. Thank you. Uh, welcome. Welcome to the Save My Piggies uh, segment. Can you tell us a little bit about your vascular journey and how you got to meet Dr. Khatib? Sure. Um, several years back, I was having problems walking and legs cramping, and I was seeing a vascular physician here in town, in Ocala, and I had several stents put in, some bypasses, and it went down the line to make it quick. I ended up clogging within three to four days. They sent me right from the, the um, x-rays over to the emergency room. where had a surgeon there wanted to amputate my leg. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? And he said, well, before it gets any worse than what it is, he says, we got to amputate it. That was okay. We talked. I said, no. In the meantime, my vascular doctor at the time and said that I should have either a single or a double bypass, and I'd already had three. And I said, I don't understand. I said, if it was you, doctor, what would you do? He said, I would opt for the, for the double. I said, okay. <clears throat> I had to go back in the hospital emergency again before any arrangements were made. Of course, I had the same surgeon, and he said, Bottom line is, Duke, your legs got to come off. Sooner or later, you might as well just commit to having me amputate your leg at this time. <clears throat> he said, you don't have to give me an answer right now. You can give it to me tomorrow. Well, with that, I left. I was pretty I was going to say, like, Duke, that, that, uh, that statement didn't, uh, didn't sit well with you, huh? No, not at all. And, and I had an appointment with my regular bachelor doctor the next morning. There was set up beside before that. He walked in the room and he said to me, Duke, what's the matter? Look at you. And I told him the story about in, the, in there and then at the, at the surgeon's office. If I can give you a little bit of a picture here. He, he said he had the note and, and the stuff on whether to do the double bypass or the single. He leaned back against the wall folded his arms on his stomach and looked at me and he said, I don't want to do either one of these procedures. They take too long. I can amputate your leg in 30 minutes and make money on it. I can't make any money doing either one of them bypasses. I, wow. Okay. <laughs> Duke, <that's... laughs> oh my gosh, I'm speechless. Yes. So how did, obviously that, that didn't resonate with you either. So how did you get to hook up with Dr. Khatib? Well, that, that was it. I, I was telling them the vascular doctor here, Dr. Singh, <laughs> what it took place. And he said, Duke, no, how did it, what did he actually say? I said, that's exactly what he said. He said, that does it. He says, you ain't seeing him or anybody else from this office seeing him. And, and he then picked up his phone. He said, I got two people that you can see. 
He said, one is in Jacksonville and the other is in Gainesville. And I said, Doc, the one in Gainesville is, is got promoted and gone to Washington. I said, let's go to Jacksonville. So he called Dr. Khatib. And Dr. Khatib said, right then and there, immediately come out the next day to his facility and, and, and uh, plant it. And they, and they did a radiogram on me. I did the x-rays. He had to go out, came back, talked to me later that night. And three days later, I was in his facility in Jacksonville having, having him go through my life. And it took him a whole lot longer than uh, what was anticipated. And I, I just couldn't believe he spent that much time. And we spent Dr. several Dr. Uh, other, other times of that. But if I hadn't had a doctor in the first place who believed in a second opinion, I'd have, I'd have ended up having my leg amputated. But he insisted. He said, Duke, you've got to make a choice. See somebody. And I seen yeah, Dr. I like him. And we talked. And a second opinion, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have my right leg today. That's an amazing story. Yes, go ahead. What is you? What was your reaction when he came to you and he told you what the doctor had said? When I honestly came, first of all, thank you, Duke, for coming on the call. I I just about fell off my chair, Uh, and unfortunately, I I was very forthright with Mr. Duke. I told him, "Listen, unfortunately, doctors, like all other human beings, we're predominantly good people, but we have some that are. I have no other words to say it. Schmucks." Uh, I was I was honestly extremely disappointed. Someone in my profession would say something like this, let alone think it. Uh, but long story short, I give Duke and Dr. Premsing, his uh, primary cardiologist, tremendous kudos. Uh, they persevered. This was this was more more than four or five years ago now, and we were able to fix the leg. Through that time, over the past four years, we've had probably to fix that right leg. I think four or five times. It's almost once a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we maintained him. So for Dr. Phillips, I explained, we ended up uh, eventually accepting opening his profunda. He didn't have a profunda. Uh, first go around, I opened his native all the way down to the knee. And that conduit, whether bypass or native, kept shutting down too frequently. Mm-hmm. So then I went through a long procedure. He reopened his occluded profunda and converted him to a claudicant and got rid of the rest pain. And that has given us actually fairly good, I would say, durability. I mean, he now, we've caught him every time before he shuts down. So when we see what high velocities, we'll bring him back and do a short secondary patency type of procedure. Did, did he have any evidence of ulcerations or anything that, in your mind, thought that that leg needed to come off? I mean, I, I, I find it really hard to believe that somebody would actually say that. That's yeah, and I, I'm telling you, uh, well, Prem Singh, his primary cardiologist, is very credible. So he also has heard it. Uh, you know, the, the gentleman came with a very cold foot, and it was cold. It was utterly painful. Uh, it was really uh, a really tardis parvus type of monophasic, very faint doctor at the foot in only one vessel, mottled appearing, but no tissue loss yet. He actually walked into my office. And based on that, I mean, uh, he walked and his wife up with a wheelchair. But then they, he was ambulatory into my office. And just like you said, so that alone to me, was an absolute no for this amputation. And I know from the physician's perspective about this revolving door treatments and and going back every year, just like you do with your teeth, you get plaque removed from your teeth once, maybe twice a year. Um, There are some people that may get it, you know, to their arteries as well, but some physicians say, no, you know, it's better to just cut off the leg than to have these revolving door of treatments. From the patient's perspective, 
Duke, what yes. what is your preference? Do you mind going back on a yearly basis? Is it worthwhile to go back on a yearly basis? For the movement and the mobility I have, I'd go back once a week. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's either that or you lose your leg, right? I mean, it's a pretty yeah. simple I choice. Mean, you know, well, what's the option here? Move, right. Move, move yeah, your leg exactly and go back. Right. You know, when your car breaks down, you bring it You bring it to the mechanic. Your body breaks down, you bring it to the best of the best. Duke, we've got about 30 seconds left. Uh, give us one, summarize your, your thoughts on, on, on the care that you had and then the care that you currently are getting. I mean, obviously it's night and day, but just share with us about how to get a second opinion and never stop persevering, right? Yeah, yeah. first off, uh, have faith in the doctor you're seeing. And the doctor you're seeing originally, which I still see, um, believed in a second opinion. If he didn't believe in a second opinion, I wouldn't have had my leg. Um, he he thought enough of me or enough of people that he'd say, you've got to have this second opinion. And if it wasn't for that second opinion and going to see Dr. Cave, and, and he took care of me right away, uh, I'd, I'd have definitely had the leg amputated. I was well, actually and, and Duke, Duke, uh, the thought. Duke, thanks for joining us. Dr. Khatib, thanks for joining us. And there you have it. Uh, believe in the second opinion. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Kim, it's hard to believe we're getting ready to wrap up another awesome show. You know, today we've been uh, spending time talking about walking and how it's a, a great way to to treat folks that have peripheral arterial disease. Uh, Lorenzo, give us your final thoughts on on walking and and uh, how how you how you use it in your practice. Uh, thank you, John. I think it has been a, a fantastic hour altogether, uh, getting a little bit of everything, you know, patient perspective, doctor perspective, and uh, talking about uh, what we can do in order to improve. Uh, the circulation on our own, so our, what the patient can do. And essentially, it's valid for any kind of patient which suffers from peripheral arterial disease. Uh, the answer is try to do your best in pushing your boundary, walking as much as possible. Walking is the best therapy for your symptoms, especially if you have like mild to moderate symptoms, what we call the claudication, you know, the difficulty in walking for long tracks without the need of stopping. If you try to push your boundary to walk a bit more, you build up more branches which are going to deliver more blood flow to your legs so walk 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 well said kim tell us about your little walk your walking group that you started so we have actually nearly 700 pad warriors in the walking group and it's incredibly inspiring to see every one of them pushing another and our philosophy is whether you're taking one step a thousand steps or ten thousand steps it doesn't matter because every single step counts and everyone is coming in at different levels so we have our community of walkers um, not only on facebook but we also have a community of walkers that is on our app and people can get to the app by just going to their app store or google 
Google Play and searching for peripheral artery disease. We also have our My Steps program, which is the only text-based program where every single day you get a text asking for your steps you took for the day. And then at the end of three months, six months, and one year, we're able to give a full report on your progress um, over the course of time that we provide to the doctor. That's awesome. And, you know, we have, and usually in our first segment, we, we talk about dad. How's, how's your dad doing? Recovering? My dad is actually up walking. And when he's not walking, he uses a device called Revitive, who his vascular surgeon um, checked for stable plaque. There is a, uh, there are a couple tests, LPPLA2, which is blood work, and then MM9, I think is the other piece of advanced blood work that shows whether or not your plaque is stable in your arteries. If it is, he actually advised that he uses this revitive device uh, because he did break his hip. So he is immobile, but having cardiovascular disease, he needs to keep moving. So he uses this revitive, which helps with the circulation while he is sitting. So he's doing much better, but just today up on his feet for the first time in three weeks. That's awesome. And the other thing you and I have to share is we might have a Save My Piggies logo finally. We might. This is exciting. And we'll post it on um, the Way to My Heart's Facebook page to see what everyone thinks. Maybe everyone will vote on it. And if you like it, we'll go with it. And if not, back to the drawing board. (laughs) That's right. We'll keep trying. (laughs) And Dr. Petroni, thank you so much for joining us. You, he is, and I didn't introduce him with this. He is our U.S. global, uh, he is our global vascular doctor of the year. I think it was 2019. And he's our 2022 European patient champion because he goes above and beyond for every single patient around the world, no matter where you are at. You don't even have to be in London. He is there answering questions online and helping so many around the world. And we appreciate you so much, Dr. Petrone. Well, thank you so much. You presented me like a bookstore, you know, the, the world champion. Like, I mean, for me, like, it's the only thing I do. It's a passion for what I do. And actually, I share this passion with you, Kim. I share the passion with Dr. John Phillips and of, with many, many clinicians all around the world. So essentially, it's a pleasure for me to be, it's been a pleasure for me to be hosted here, but also to work every day with you uh, on your side for, uh, you know, creating more awareness and creating more uh, healthiness around the globe. Thank you so much. And thanks, everyone, for joining us. You've been listening to The Heart of Innovation with Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Our mission is to help patients live a better quality of life through comprehensive education, real-time support, and high-touch advocacy in partnership with thewaytomyheart.org and take a stand against amputation. Our purpose is to reduce the 1.5 million heart attacks and strokes and nearly 200,000 amputations annually. For more information regarding topics you've heard discussed on today's program, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. The Heart of Innovation is for educational and informational purposes only, and advice and views shared are not a substitute for medical advice from your own supervising physician. Do not act on any information provided in this show without the explicit consent from your own healthcare team. If you think you are having a medical emergency, call your local emergency number or go to the nearest hospital or emergency room. This show is distributed by the Innovators Network. For more information and other great shows and content, visit theinnovators.network. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.